0: Well, hey, this is the Walk-On Podcast. Following Jesus is a journey, and I hope that this podcast helps you take your next step. Well, hey, Walk-On friends. This episode, I'm sharing a sermon that I recently gave. My church is doing a series on mental health issues, and I address the topic of burnout. I share a little bit about my experience with it, the things that I discovered that contributed to it, and how uh, we can begin to find health and wholeness coming out of it. I hope that you find it helpful. So today, as we continue our mental health series, we're going to talk about burnout. And even though burnout's not a uh, diagnosable medical condition, it doesn't mean its effects aren't felt. It's when you feel overwhelmed, overworked, overstressed, and the life just kind of leaves you feeling like you have nothing left to give. I'm wondering if you find yourself there today, or maybe you found yourself there before, or maybe you find yourself on the edge, heading in uh, to a season where you feel like you're just burnt out. Uh, when you face burnout, you uh, you are physically exhausted, you are emotionally drained, uh, you feel like you're putting in more effort but getting less results. You become cynical and negative. Um, And the things that once brought you joy no longer bring you joy. You've lost hope, and you just kind of are left feeling a little bit numb and overwhelmed. And uh, I found myself heading towards burnout uh, about five years ago. Um, Just the job responsibilities I had at the time um, just felt like they would never end. And so I entered an unhealthy rhythm of trying to keep up with everything. And so I'd you know come to work and work all day long, and I'd go home and spend the uh, evening with my wife and the kids. And then when my kids went to bed about 8.30 or 9, I would pull my laptop out and I would work until about 1.30 or 2 in the morning. And I'd wake up and I'd do that again. And then I'd get to my days off. And my days off, I thought, oh, these are catch-up days. And so I'd pull my laptop back out and catch up on things that maybe I didn't get done through the week. And I told myself, this is just a season It's just a busy season, there's a lot going on and I'm just gonna do this for a little bit to get through and then eventually there'll be a season where there's more margin and more space. And I discovered that one season led into another season, led into another season and before I knew it, it had been almost a year of living in that pace. And I began feeling the effects. Uh, I, I was tired, I was emotionally drained, I felt like I was putting in all this effort, but I, I wasn't like producing anything, and I was getting very cynical, very negative. And the more that I felt out of control in in my job, I became more controlling at home, and I became a husband and a dad that wasn't very much fun to be around. Started having chest pains. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I go to the doctor and they're like, well, you're just fine, everything's fine. And they run all these tests, well, everything's fine. And the doctor's asking me, well, are, you, are you stressed? I'm like, no, no, I'm not stressed, I'm fine. But I was feeling the effects of the pace that I'd been living and the rhythm that I'd put into place, kind of that unhealthy pace. And so finally, I, I kind of hit this point where I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't continue on. I didn't like... Who I was becoming. I didn't like where I was at. And so I came to leadership and I just said, Hey, I can't do this anymore. And they were, they were incredibly gracious. Um, they were able to rearrange some of my job responsibilities, give me a little bit of space. And I'm so thankful for that because I know that not everybody's afforded those opportunities. I know that, um, you know, you're not, not everybody's able to rearrange their job or, or maybe even, it, maybe it's not your job that's causing burnout. Maybe it's just situations in your home or um, you're, you're the primary caretaker for somebody and you're just feeling overworked and overwhelmed. And so I recognize that not everyone can change those circumstances. And for me, that, that shift, it wasn't the cure, but it gave me a little bit of space that I could begin to reflect and pray and heal. And as, it, as I began doing that, um, I discovered that the biggest cause of my burnout was actually me. That, that my, my job responsibilities had a little bit to play. The culture of the time that we were in had a little bit to play. But the biggest contributing factor to my burnout was, was actually me. And it was some unhealthy mindsets. And the way I let my identity be wrapped up into my work that, that led me to, to feeling like I had nothing else to give. And so I, I wonder if, if any of you feel that way or if you've been there before, if you feel like you're heading there. And it's tempting in those seasons to begin to fantasize about like, if I could just get a different job, if I could just find something else. If I could just leave here, leave all these circumstances behind and go do something else, then everything will be fine. But if you're like me and the biggest contributing factor to your burnout was was my unhealthy mindsets, the problem is you bring you to everything you do, right? And so you could leave that job and find a new job, but if you bring all those unhealthy mindsets with you, you're gonna find yourself in the exact same place. And so today I wanna talk a little bit about this idea of burnout and what contributes um, to, to bringing somebody to that point and what can we do about it? So as I began looking um, and researching and discovering what some of the things inside of me were that led me to, to burnout, I um, discovered there are some unhealthy mindsets. And there's a uh, I came across a burnout coach. I guess that's a thing. I didn't know there's was a thing, but the burnout coach. This is uh, this lady. She's a doctor. Her name's Dr. Joe Baird. And she works with people, particularly in the healthcare field, that experience burnout. And she coaches them through that burnout and helps them find health. And so she talked about three unhealthy mindsets that leave you vulnerable to burnout. And um, as I was looking at it, they all started with the letter P. I'm like, three points that start with the same letter. This is like gold for a preacher, right? Like, I got to use it. I have to use it, right? Um, and actually, I, I added a fourth. Uh, I think there's actually four things um, that lead to that. And so I want to walk through these with us today and um, invite you, as I talk about each one of these unhealthy mindsets, invite you to to take a little bit of introspection and say, okay, do these exist in me? Um, Is this a vulnerability inside of me at all? Um, So the first unhealthy mindset is a performance-based identity, Performance-based identity. So this is where you um, wrap your identity up in everything that you do, right? Your value and your worth is directly tied to your successes and your failures. You think how you perform and what you produce is what makes you worthy or good or valuable. And then when you don't perform well or you don't succeed, then you feel horrible about yourself. And I found that that was, for me, one of the biggest contributing factors to my burnout. I had let my identity be wrapped up in how, in what I did in my job and how I performed. And I evaluated myself on that. And the problem with that is that there's always, like, the next thing, right? You may succeed at one thing, but then you have the next project or the next um, relationship or the next thing, and, and then you have to work hard. And, and you just find yourself on this hamster wheel where it's, it's never Ending. There, there's, you always have to constantly prove yourself and prove that you're worthy and prove that you're good enough and prove that you're successful enough. And it's this never ending cycle that leaves you vulnerable to heading towards burnout. Um, the other, uh, uh, another unhealthy mindset is people pleasing. People pleasing. This is where you, you want to be affirmed by other people, you, you seek other people's approval. And in doing so, that causes you to say yes to things that maybe you don't really want to do, but you want that approval, so you say yes to it. But then that leaves you with a little bit of underlying resentment and frustration because you're stuck doing this. You don't really wanna do it, but you want their approval, so you feel like you have to do it. And that, again, just kind of leads you on that cycle, leaves you vulnerable to burnout. And I saw that at play in my life and in my heart. Uh, the the other one is um, perfectionism. You want to get it right. You want everything to be perfect. And I saw this in play in me in that season where I would work on a project and I would get it good. And then I would spend hours more getting it like 10% better. And that was part of all of this effort. All of this work that I was doing was just to get it just a little bit better for actually less Like for like the impact, the results, all the effort for those 10%, like the impact was negligible, right? If I was honest with myself, but I wanted it perfect. I wanted it like absolutely the best it could be. And that mindset can lead you to burnout. And then the fourth one that I think is at play um, that I added is pride, pride. That you think that you are the one that has to hold it all together You think you are the one that has to carry the weight of that responsibility all by yourself. Maybe you think that you're the only one that can do it to the certain level and no one else can do it at that level so no one else can do it. You have to carry it all. Maybe you wear your busyness and your responsibilities as a badge of honor. You say, look at what I can do. Look what I am doing. And that pride for me is that pride to carry all of this and felt like I couldn't ask for help because asking for help was a sign of weakness. So I had to carry it all myself. No one else could carry it but me. And that just is a heavy weight that leads you to burnout. So some of these unhealthy mindsets, a performance-based identity, um, people-pleasing, perfectionism, pride, those can all be at work and can make you vulnerable to heading into a season of burnout. So the question is, okay, so what do we do about that? If you identify that in you, right, I saw some, some heads nodding, or I saw some like, people poking elbows of the person next to them as I was saying some of those things, right? <laughs> so you say, okay, I, I see that in me. What do I do? How can I begin to shift my mindset? How can I begin to work through that unhealthy mindset and find more of a, of a healthy perspective, a more of a godly perspective? Well, I think there are some practices and some routines that we can do. You can put some practices and routines into your life to help shift that mindset and fight against those unhealthy perspectives. And actually, one of those practices is an ancient Jewish practice that I think can speak to some of our modern struggles today. So let me let me unpack this and set this up a little bit. Um so let's go all the way back to the beginning. Uh if you've heard of Bibles, you can open it up to Genesis. And uh I always find myself going back, going back to Genesis. There's so much rich truth and so many foundations that get laid in Genesis that get repeated and played off of through the rest of scripture. But in Genesis chapter 1 it's the this story of creation. Right? God creates the world in the way that, um, the, that this is laid out. It's divided into days of creation. And you see this, this um, like poetic refrain for the opening and ending of each of these days of creation. Right? So a day starts out, it says, and God said, and God speaks what he wants to create on that day. And it talks about what he creates. And then that day ends by saying, and there was evening and morning the first day. And then the second day, and God said, and he said the way he was going to create, and there was evening and morning the second day. And God said, and there's evening and morning the third day. Right, so you see every day kind of follows this pattern. Every day of creation follows this pattern except for one. That's day seven. So if you've your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, uh, verse two and three describes this seventh day this way. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished all the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So it's interesting, as you read through this creation account, you see this pattern and this rhythm for every day of creation. Then you get to day seven and it's totally different. It's almost as if the, the author writing this down wanted day seven to stick out wanted us to notice, to pay attention to day seven, to say, you know what? God was a God that he worked and he created and he did all these amazing things, but God is also a God who rests. We have a God who knows what it is to work and to create and do all these things, but he also knows when to say enough is enough and to take a break and to to give space. We, We serve a God who rests. He knows how to rest. And then as you continue reading through the Bible, then you get to the second book of the Bible, you get to Exodus. And uh, you read about how God raises up a man named Moses to, to lead the people of Israel into freedom. And they find themselves in the desert and they go to the, the base of Mount Sinai and Moses goes up on, on Mount Sinai and God gives these commandments to Moses um, to convey to the people of Israel to help them know how do we live as God's chosen people? How do we reflect him to the world? And famously, he gives the 10 commandments and they're, they're really important commandments. Things like, you know, thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not lie and thou shalt not steal. Things that we all get behind, right? But there's one of these commandments that deals directly with the seventh day. Commandment number four, Exodus 20, verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath day. Now, Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word that means to rest. Right? So Sabbath means to rest. It's like the rest day. He's like, remember the, the day of rest by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male or your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, right? Pretty, pretty thorough here. And he says, for in six days, calls back to Genesis. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So not only is God a God who rests, God commands his people to rest, right? That's big 10, big 10 commandments. Number four is a day of rest. Now, the challenge is often when we look at some of those commandments or the Old Testament, we see it as this list of like do's and don'ts. We see it as this list of rules and we're like, okay, we got to do this, got to do this, don't do that, do this. And we see like all these things, we got to check a box. And when you approach it that way, then it's easy to kind of separate yourself from it and be like, okay, like do not murder, do not steal. Okay, that makes sense. We'll follow that. But like Sabbath, like that's like old time stuff, right? Like that doesn't work in our modern world. But when you view it as just this like list of rules, you miss the intent, you miss the heart, you miss the reason why God is giving these things in the first place. And so I wanna talk a little bit about the the context of of why God is giving this and to whom God is giving it to. And I think it helps us understand and maybe bring some things to light for our modern world today. So who is God giving the 10 commandments to? The 10 commandments were written for the, the people of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai, right? Moses comes down and he gives them to them. Now, where were the people of Israel before they were in the desert at the base of Mount Sinai? They were in Egypt as slaves. So the nation of Israel for generation after generation after generation existed as slaves in Egypt. Now, Where does a slave's value and worth come from? It comes from what they do, right? It comes from what they produce, right? Pharaoh's like, hey, make more bricks, make more bricks, make more bricks. A slave's value and worth is directly connected to what they produce and how they perform. Are they doing what their, their owner, their master, their whoever wants them to do, right? So get this. This nation of people for generation after generation after generation, their identity was wrapped up in being slaves. How they saw themselves and, and saw their worth was directly connected to how they performed in what they produced. And then God leads them to freedom and he commands them to rest. Maybe the first day off, centuries. God is wanting them to know that their identity and their worth is not about who or what they do, but about whose they are. Right? So I think this idea of the Sabbath, this command to the Sabbath about the Sabbath, isn't some arbitrary rule that God gives his people. I think it's actually a gift and a blessing to his people to put into their weekly routine a reminder that they are not based upon what they do or what they produce or how they perform, but their value is simply because they are a child of God. They are his chosen people, right? He is the one that determines their, their value and their worth because they're created in his image. And so the Sabbath becomes this weekly reminder, this rhythm and this practice that the Jewish people can do to remind themselves we're not slaves. We've been brought into freedom. We have a new identity. We are a chosen people. We are to represent God and we serve a God who knows when to rest. And so we are commanded to rest, to remind ourselves of that. And so I think the Sabbath is more about identity than it is some some arbitrary command to rest. It's more a, an opportunity to, to remind ourselves of, of who we are and who we're created to be. And it's a chance to speak the truth of that to us, to, to give some space to, to reset and remind ourselves. And if you think about it, a Sabbath in, in a way can um, speak to all of those unhealthy mindsets that we can get. All right, I talked about how like that identity, that performance-based identity, and the Sabbath is a reminder that your identity is not in how you perform or what you produce, but whose you are. You are created in the image of God, and he loves you and he is for you. The right? a Sabbath is a chance to remind yourself that your job isn't to please everybody around you. Your job is to please your heavenly father. And the good news, he already loves you. He already loves you, The right? Sabbath is a chance to, to release your grip and your control on things, to realize that the pride that drives you to try to control everything maybe isn't healthy and to say, actually, I can't control anything. By taking a day off, you're able to release that control. You also are able to invite others into help in that process. And so a Sabbath can speak to some of some of these unhealthy tendencies that we have inside of us. But the challenge is if we're not careful, we can also bring those unhealthy mindsets to the Sabbath. And I think that's why for some of us, maybe the Sabbath leaves a bad taste in your mouth because it's been wrapped up in all this like legalism and shame and um, like Duty and all like I have to do this, and so you can bring your performance-based identity to the Sabbath, and you'd be like, "Well, how do I do it right? (laughs) How do I do the Sabbath right?" I want people to know, yeah, you bring all your pride. Look what I am doing. Look at this spiritual practice that I'm doing. It makes me this amazing person, right? Like you got to be careful not to bring all of those unhealthy mindsets to the Sabbath, and that was actually happening in Jesus' day. This group of religious leaders, these Pharisees. And their, their intent was, was right. They wanted to obey God's commands. And so they added all these like extra rules upon extra rules to make sure that they wouldn't even get close to, to breaking one of God's commands. But in doing that, they missed the heart of the law. And, and so there's, um, in Mark chapter two, there's this account of um, the, uh, the disciples and Jesus are walking through this field of wheat on the Sabbath. And uh, the disciples grab a couple of heads of grain and Pop them in their mouth and eat them. And the Pharisees see this and they say, wait a minute, plucking grain, you're harvesting grain. That's a, that qualifies as work. And this is the Sabbath. You are breaking that commandment. You guys are guilty. And so Jesus speaks to them and he reminds them of the original heart, the original intent. Why did God give the Sabbath in the first place? He said this in Mark chapter two, verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. He's reminding them that the Sabbath was to be a gift, to be a blessing, instead of being something that you have to conform yourself to and try to, um, try to make sure you cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying, hey, I, I'm the one that created the Sabbath here. You know, like, I think I know what it's about. And so the practice of a Sabbath, it's meant to be, this gift. It's meant to to be a blessing. It's meant to remind yourself of of whose you are and remind yourself of your true identity. And I think that it's a practice that if you put into practice in your weekly life, in your weekly routines, I think it can bring joy in life. I think it can help fight against some of those unhealthy mindsets that lead us and make us vulnerable to burnout. And I think we can find it has real implications, right? Because we don't, we don't live in a society or a culture that values people based on what they do, right? Like we don't assign worth and value to people by how they perform, do we? We don't pay people that perform better than others more, do we, right? <laughs> like we, we have a culture. This this speaks to the heart of our culture, and it's so countercultural, but I think if you can begin to understand it, it's so, so helpful. So what does the Sabbath look like in a practical way? Because as I've been talking about Sabbath, you may have all these different connotations with it. Maybe you've grown up in the church and you have all these like legalistic ideas of what's allowed and what's not allowed, and um, I gotta you know put on my suit and tie, and Sabbath means I gotta go to church, and you know what what does it mean? Or or maybe you have no idea what like Sabbath. You never heard of that before, and you're like, wait a minute, is that why Chick Fil A's closed on Sundays? Like, does it have to do with the Sabbath? And like, so what like? Like, I want to kind of try to set all of that aside and just focus on like the heart of why God laid this out. And so how can you begin in a practical way to develop some rhythms and routines? What does that look like in kind of like your weekly life? Well, I think the best explanation of a Sabbath that I've heard comes from a teacher that I follow and I've learned a lot from. His name's Marty Solomon. And he's very, very intentional. He and his whole family are very intentional about um, this rhythm of a Sabbath. And he talks about when his kids were little, he wanted to try to explain to them the idea of a Sabbath and why they do the things they do as, as a family um, and why they do what they do that looks different from their neighbors and people around them. And so he came up with this, this little phrase. And I think, I think the phrase like speaks so much um, to the idea into the heart of the Sabbath. And so he, he looked at his kids and he said, hey, on the Sabbath, we rest, we play, no work, God loves us. That's how he defined the Sabbath for his kids. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. Now I want you to repeat these after me, okay? We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. So let me unpack these a little bit, kind of each phrase at a time, uh, one at a time here. Um, So we rest. Right? that's the, the, the meaning of the word Sabbath is to rest. It's a day of rest. And this is perhaps the most counter-cultural thing about the Sabbath because we live in a culture that doesn't rest. We live in a world right, of 24-hour stores, of things that are open all the time, instant access at your fingertips. Go, 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 go. And we live in a culture that almost sends this message that you have to earn your rest, right? Like after a day of hard work, then you can, then you can go to sleep. But did you notice the refrain in Genesis and the creation account at the ending of every day, it says, and there was evening and then morning the first day. There was evening and then morning the second day. Evening, then morning. To the ancient Jew, and I think to even some Jews today, they mark their day, their day starts at sunset in the evening. So for um, a Jewish person, when they'd celebrate the Sabbath, the Sabbath started on sunset, which is interesting because that means you start your day by going to sleep. You start your day with rest. The whole first half of your day is out of your control because you're sleeping. And that's just like this subtle, subtle mindset shift, but I think it's so profound. And I think it speaks to the heart of how God wants us to see the world, that he's the one in control. And so we can rest. We can start our day with rest, and what we do flows out of the rest that we have. It's not something we have to earn, but it's our fuel. It's what flows, all of our work flows out of that. Uh, I was listening to an NBA trainer, and he was talking about um, what kind of separates the the good players from the elite players. He's saying, you know, it's not how hard they train. He said, every player in the NBA trains hard. Otherwise, they wouldn't make it there. But what separates the elite players is how intentional they rest. It's how intentional they are off the court. It's what they do to let their bodies recharge. It's the nutrition, the, the meals they have and the amount of sleep that they get. What's crazy, if you went, Google LeBron James rest schedule and how many hours a night he sleeps and what he does, he is so intentional about that. And so this trainer was just talking about, that's what separates it's, it's rest. And so you could say it this way, to be your best, you need rest. And we understand, that's not a profound thing, right? We understand that, but yet why do we always just like, you stay up a little bit later, you like try to cram in a few more things, you're finishing this movie or finishing the next episode and before you know it, your sleep gets less and less and less and less. But to be your best, you need rest. I, I had a professor in college once um, in one of my Bible classes and he was lecturing and he stops the lecture in the middle and he says, you guys wanna know what the, one of the most spiritual things you can do is? And of course, you know, we're all like, yeah, tell us, tell us. He goes, sleep. We're like, what? It's like, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is sleep. Because when you're tired is when you're more open to temptation. When you're tired is when you are um, short and angry and crabby with people, right? And you begin to treat people less. Some of the most spiritual things you could do is to rest. And so the Sabbath is a day focused on rest. To be our best, we need rest. So we rest and we play. And this is where I think we get the Sabbath wrong so many times. We view it as this like like, um, drudgery that we have to do or we have to try to get right. But the Sabbath is about joy. It should be about joy. So we rest, but we also play. Do things that bring life to you, that bring joy to you. Spend time with people that you enjoy on the Sabbath right? So make those intentional decisions to do those things that bring life to you. We play, right? Think about the word recreation. If you break it down, it's re-creation. So on the Sabbath, you want to recreate, you want to do things that recreate your soul. So what are the things that bring joy to you? What are the things that refuel you and refresh you? Those are the things that you want to be intentional about doing on the Sabbath. And and this is why I can't stand up here and give like a formula, like do this, 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 and this on the Sabbath, because every one of us are unique. So our Sabbaths are going to look different from each other because we are unique individuals and each of us have different things that refuel us, right? So, so maybe it's going out in nature that, that refuels you. Maybe it's playing music. Um, maybe, maybe it's uh, going out in the garage and working on a project car, or maybe it's going out in the garden and doing some gardening and being outside. Maybe for you, it's curling up with a good book. Maybe it's spending uh, coffee with a friend. Maybe, maybe it's um, diving in and researching a topic and learning all those things about it. Like all of us have different things that refuel us and bring us joy. And make sure you, you do that on, on the Sabbath. Find a, at least a time in your week where you can carve out some space and do some of those things to, to recreate your soul. So we rest, we play, no work. And this is the part of the Sabbath, you have to draw some boundaries. You have to learn to say no. And this is a a chance to fight against some of those unhealthy mindsets that drive you to work, that drive you to to, um, evaluate your worth by what you do and what you produce. So the Sabbath, you need to be intentional about saying no. No, I'm not gonna do work. And again, for each of us, work may look a little bit different, right? Because all of us have things that, some things we have to do um, in our, maybe as our job, but also just just daily life, right? Like we have to do work, we have to do dishes, we have to do laundry and we have to pick up and like all these things that like we just have to do. And so for you, maybe that's, that like is like drudgery, you know, and and, like you feel that and you feel that pressure to get that done. Maybe for you, the Sabbath is it, a time to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going into work and I'm not doing the dishes today. We're just gonna let them pile up. I'll get, I'll get to them another day. But today is a day of no work. But also for you, maybe like a clean house is something that refuels your soul. And so maybe for you, you do want to do the dishes on the Sabbath or you do want to um, you know, mow the yard or whatever because it brings you joy and refuels your soul. And so that's where you have to be honest with yourself. Uh, and, and work through, and everybody's Sabbath is gonna look a little bit different, but it's a day, the things that, that um, are tempting for you to begin to value, put value and worth because you've done them, those are the things that you wanna say no to on the Sabbath because that's a reminder that, no, God loves me. My identity is in him, not in what I do. So we rest, we play, no work, and then the most important part of the Sabbath, God loves us. The whole point of the Sabbath is to carve out some space to be reminded that you are loved by God. It's a chance for you to to connect with your creator, to worship him, to pray to him, to, to learn more about him, study his word, do things that draw your heart closer to God, put in some of those intentional practices. And so maybe that's coming to church for you. Maybe that's you know, taking a walk and praying, maybe that's listening to worship music in your car and singing at the top of your lungs, whatever it is, right? Do those things that, that remind you that God loves you and he's for you and he's with you. That's the beautiful gift of the Sabbath, the beautiful gift to be reminded that God loves each and every one of us. So we rest, we play, no work, God loves us. So I wish I could give like real practical do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. But hopefully it gives at least a little bit of a framework for you to, to begin thinking it in your own life and to say, okay, where am I feeling a little, where am I feeling a little burnt out? Where in my life am I feeling like I just don't have any more to give? Where in my life am I starting to turn a little negative, a little cynical? Where in my life am I losing joy? And maybe it's an opportunity to try to be honest and have a conversation and say, okay, what is it that's leading me there? And I know you can't control all the circumstances. You may not be able to control all the um, situations in your job or in your life that's leading you to feel burnt out. But what you can control is your own heart and your own mindset. And so I, I hope that this is, been an opportunity for you to wrap your mind around and say, okay, maybe there are some unhealthy mindsets in my life that I need to work through. Where am I trying to uh, base my identity on how I perform? And where am I trying to please people? And where am I trying to make everything perfect and realizing that I can't can't ever do that. I can't live up to my own standards, right? And um, where maybe am I letting pride drive me to some unhealthy patterns? And then I would encourage you to look at the gift of the Sabbath. Not to be legalistic about it, not to say, well, it has to be on this day or it has to look just like this or whatever, but be intentional. God commands the Sabbath because I think he knows the tendency of our heart is to drift towards that performance-based identity. I think God knows the tendency of our heart is to drift towards pleasing the people around us. I think God knows the tendency of our heart is to drift towards that perfectionism and think that we control the outcomes of everything, to drift toward that pride. And so Sabbath does not come naturally. So you're going to have to put some work into not working, if that makes sense. (laughs) But it takes some intentionality and it takes some decisions because if you're just like, yeah, I'll just get to it you're not ever gonna get to it because it doesn't line up with our culture and it doesn't line up with with the the natural inclinations of our heart. We're always gonna drift to those things. And so you have to be intentional about saying, no, this is a day of rest. This is a day that I get to um, play and have things that refresh my soul. This is a day that I create boundaries. This is a day that I remind myself that God loves me and he's for me. And my prayer is that you discover the gift and the blessing of the Sabbath. And I've experienced the joy and the blessing of that. And as as I've tried to heal and, and put into some different practices, I don't always get it right. And there are seasons that I find myself being less intentional and drifting back to those old mindsets. And I have to remind myself, no, this needs to be, I need a Sabbath this week. I need some time to rest, to play, no work. God loves us. We rest, we play. No work, God loves us. We rest, we play. No work, God loves us. We rest, we play. No work, God loves us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this gift of rest. As we um, celebrate this Labor Day weekend, maybe some of us can start this process with with a day off on Monday. But God, I pray you help us be intentional about just our weekly rhythms. Help us be honest with ourselves. And God, I ask you to speak to our hearts because you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the thoughts that are gonna be in our mind. You know the words on our lips before they are um, even there. And so God, we ask you to lead us in this. God, I pray for um, every one of us to be reminded that you love us and that you are for us and that you are with us. And God, and help us use the gift of a day of rest with intentionality to remind ourselves of you and who you are and what you've done for us. God, help us live in a countercultural way that speaks that and that shouts that truth to the people around us. You love us and you're for us. And it's all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.